Hey everybody, welcome to the Crypto Masters Podcast, helping the general public to master an understanding of crypto assets. My name is Brian McCoy. And my name is Ross Eaton. And we are the, the Crypto, Crypto Masters. Masters. The topic of today's episode is Bancor. The Bancor network is an automated market maker in competition with other decentralized exchanges like Uniswap and SushiSwap. But does, Dan but does Bancor have an advantage? Stay tuned to find out. Quick reminder that our goal here at the Crypto Masters <laughs> is to provide information about crypto assets to help the public decide if it's something that they might want to invest in and then do further research on their own. We generally look at projects to determine if they would be good for a long-term investment. Yep, and we provide information about different crypto assets to allow you, the listener, to make your own financial decisions. Uh, as always, this is not financial advice. And one thing, Brian, I got to say, I'm glad to be back in the DeFi space. It's been a while. It has. And uh, I am as well, Ross. Uh, we're both fans of DeFi, and uh, Bancor is a very interesting project. It's been around since 2017, and fun fact... It was the first automated market maker. That was fun, Brian. I, I think a lot of people don't know that. It's kind of a little-known fact. Um, but Bank Bancor seems to me like it's flying under the rain radar, even though it's kind of hitting its stride lately, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, In market cap, it's pretty low. I think it's around still like... It's in the top 100. It's in the 90s, I think. Yeah, yeah, 90s. And sometimes it kind of creeps out of that uh, top 100. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it, Brian. Let's talk about automated market makers um, in general, and I'll be referring to this as AMM, but uh, everyone knows about Uniswap and similar projects, um, you know, de decentralized exchanges or DEXs. Um, they use smart contracts to allow for ex the exchange of tokens directly between two parties. Um, and one of the main features of a AMMs, or the two main features, um, one, is you know the swap feature buyers and sellers can get on and exchange and buy to s and sell to each other with no middleman um and you know in the true decentralized crypto fashion yep. um most are built on ethereum so anyone can exchange you know ethereum or any erc20 token uh, for any other erc20 token um and there's a small fee for the transaction so you know that these these decentralized exchanges do generate some revenue. Yep. Um, and the second one, and really I think this is one not a lot of people think about, um, especially me, I kind of accept it as, as magic for a while. But in addition <laughs> to the exchange feature, most uh, AMMs also have liquidity provider pools, and this is where the asset to be swapped are located. Um, and this is the part that, you know, not a lot of people think about. Uh, these. These are a way for holders of an asset to generate yield by providing to the exchange, uh, kind of similar to a CD at a bank, for yeah, example. Yeah. Um, but for the exchanges to work, they need the underlying assets in volume. This is the liquidity part. Um, but the liquidity providers, or LPs, are paid for loaning their assets to the exchange. Um, and the way this is normally done is someone will provide an asset that they own, such as BAT or 
USDC, and then they go to the AMM and exchange and get an equal amount of Ethereum, and then go to the pool or stake function and this and stake on the you know equal amount of BAT and Ethereum, and you get an LP pool token. Um, you know it's custom to that pool, and which represents your proportionate interest in that pool, and you share in the pool's fee to that extent you know you, you get a kickback obviously prefer, for providing that amount yeah. to the pool that's your yield that's your yield yeah yeah um and a common problem with this um is called impermanent loss so if the price of one of the assets in the pool for example bat or basic attention coaching goes up in value more than ethereum well you can see um the liquidity provider does not get the full appreciation of the bat and the Ethereum portion uh, dilutes the gains, you know? Um, and then it, in this example, the person who who um, has been better off, that person would have just been better off uh, holding the bat since your Ethereum just kind of tanked. Um, so yeah, you can see the impermanent loss problem here and we'll talk about it later, Brian, but we got burned by this. Um, <laughs> but it can be even worse with these very small tokens, um, that can just extremely fluctuate, you know, yeah. um, at a time Ethereum's appreciating. Um, and it's, a, it's a crushing blow it, it, for sure. Yeah. Tell me about it because <laughs> we both, um, had some bad experience in liquidity staking because of impermanent loss. So that makes this episode particularly poignant for us. Um, I know I yeah. personally cha- chased some of the high APRs and then got crushed by the impermanent loss. So firsthand yeah. experience here. It was great at first. Yeah, <laughs> right. You get the uh, the yeah. APR, but it's if it's in a token that's depreciating versus the other one, the impermanent loss will kill you. And, yeah. Okay. So good overview, Ross, of the AMMs. That, and that's, you know, my experience has been that's pretty much how they've all worked. They have the swap function where you can just go in and swap it's very easy that was a you know real breakthrough and then they have the liquidity pool function because they need the liquidity in order to have the tokens to swap yeah yeah right so it's similar for for bancor i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna discuss bancor now specifically Mm -hmm. so it's similar to those it has you, you go onto their site and it has a trade button and an earn button on the front page, the trade button is the swap feature. Once you click on it, it looks like, you know, Uniswap and, and the others yeah, where you some, just pick the tokens you want to swap. It's very easy. Yeah, it's very, yeah, super user-friendly. And then the other button, like you mentioned, is the earn button. And that's basically the liquidity provider features. And then it has lists of all the different uh, pools um, that you can choose from. So to that extent, you know, um, Bancor is the same as the others. In fact, it was it was the first one. Um, the main difference though, involves, uh, single-sided liquidity and impermanent loss protection. Mm-hmm. So those are two, both two big features I want to talk about. So, and I also want to say that prior to Bancor coming out with this, so maybe back in DeFi summer of 2020, a lot of smart people were saying there's just nothing that can be done about impermanent loss in an AMM. If you're going to have... Um, liquidity pools, then you just got to live with the possibility of impermanent loss. Yeah. And, yeah. Then Bancor came out and said, well, wait a minute, we figured it out. And it's called single sided exposure and impermanent loss insurance. So let me talk about the first big advantage. Contrary to the other AMM protocols, and like you just gave the example of, let's say somebody really likes basic attention token, that's, that's their thing. Yeah. I own a lot of it, but I want to stake it. 
So I'm going to go to Uniswap, and at least I'm, I'm talking about Uniswap version two. I, I think it's the same for version three, but I haven't been as involved. Yeah. In any event, uh-huh. you go to you go to one of the AMMs, and you you essentially take your basic attention token, and you swap it for an equal amount of Ethereum because that's what you're 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 staking. You're putting in the pool equal amounts of each of those um, tokens. So. The difference with Bancor is, and the first big advantage is, Bancor doesn't require you to provide the counterpart asset. You know, on um, on Uniswap, it's typically Ethereum, right? So you take your oh, token, yeah. like right. Chainlink or whatever it is, uh, that or about anything, frankly. And yeah, yeah, you, it's got you, a lot. <laughs> yeah, you have to swap it out, and, and and you just don't have to do that on Bancor. So that's huge. You get to if you have ten thousand dollars worth of um, that you get to um, stake or liquidity provide ten thousand dollars worth. You don't have to swap out swap out half of it for the other assets. So that's that's a huge uh, difference with Bancor. Oh yeah, and as a user, just to say real quick, Brian, that's uh, you know more intuitive to me. You know, if I want to stake this one in this pool, you know, right? How do I need to. Yeah, I mean, you, you think so. you, you know without knowing how the whole thing works under yeah, the hood, yeah. you would think, yeah, why do I have to do this? But um, you did have to do it. Um, now, some other um, uh, exchanges had different. It wasn't necessarily 50-50 like I think it is and has been on, on Uniswap, but it was always some uh, percentage you had to get another uh, token. In any event, so um, Bancor has, has overcome that, and they, use, they do it by using an elastic BNT supply. BNT is the native token for Bancor, which I'll talk about more in a minute. And so the protocol will co-invest the BNT in pools alongside with alongside the token that the you know liquidity provider has staked and it will mint if it needs to it'll mint the bnt to balance the pool yeah all right and, uh, and we'll get more in the details in a minute the second big advantage is the impermanent loss insurance so this insurance is not immediate but it accrues over time by one percent each day until 100 percent protection is achieved after 100 days in the pool but there's a 30-day cliff, which means that if the liquidity provider decides to withdraw the position before 30 days, then they would just be in the same impermanent loss position as any normal unprotected AMM. Mm-hmm. But after 30 days, they're partially protected up until 100 days. So on day 31, it's 31%, et cetera, up to 100. And if, an, if a liquidity provider withdraws any time after the 100 days, they receive 100% compensation for any loss that occurred anytime in the first 100 days or anytime after that. So let that sink in. You know, if you keep if you keep your assets stake for 100 days or more in Bancor, in your worst case scenario, you can withdraw with no impermanent loss and get the yield that was generated guaranteed. Yeah, it's almost kind of like a vesting situation. You know, you, after the 100 days, you're vested in, in, it, a, in a sense, you know. In, in, in a sense, yeah. Um, and you just, I mean... The advantage Ike's is you just don't have to worry about it yeah, about exactly. the permanent loss thing. So you know, and if there's not sufficient tokens in the pool to fully pay out, because let's say there was in permanent loss, let's say that there was a big difference between your BAT and your BNT, um, you know, and they balance it out, then the uh, again the the Bancor protocol will mint some more BNT to balance it out. So really, to be accurate, the the insurance. Um, it didn't, it was, I'd say Bancor didn't eliminate, uh, impermanent risk, but it shifted the risk 
of impermanent loss from the liquidity provider, like in the other AMMs, to the Bancor protocol, which means BNT holders. So I'll discuss this a bit more when we discuss the BNT token. But Russ, why don't you discuss the DAO, which is very active on Bancor? Absolutely. So uh, as we know, Bancor is owned and operated by its community as a decentralized autonomous organization, or DAO, as Brian mentioned. Uh, the Bancor uh, protocol is governed via via a democratic and transparent voting system, which allows everyone to get involved and submit proposals for changes or updates, improvements to the Bancorp network. Um, so this is very much kind of like a online decentralized democracy. It's very cool. Um, and you don't have to own any BNT tokens to be involved, which as we kind of sidebarred before this, Brian, if you, if you're voting and submitting proposals in BNT, um, or the Bancorp protocol, why wouldn't you have some BNT tokens Probably if you're that excited be, about yeah. it, you know? So, you think so. um, and just to kind of mention some of the proposals that can happen, there's kind of three definitive paths and they actually have templates and, you know, things to kind of walk you through these different proposals, which I'll link in the description. Um, but the first one is whitelisting proposals. So this is, you know, getting a coin uh, listed on the Bancor network. And, you know, this allows that token to have access to the Bancor fe features such as the impermanent loss protection, as Brian mentioned. Um, the second one is liquidity mining proposals. Um, a good example of this would be increasing the liquidity liquidity pool of Chainlink given a rise in its popularity. Um, you know, we just think there's a, a, a good case for more Chainlink to be on the Bancorp network um, or in that liquidity pool. And the third and final one is Bancorp improvement proposals, obviously. Um, these include improvements to the core functionality of the Bancorp system uh, to contracts or existing contracts on the system. And it's important to note that even though anyone can propose or create a proposal to the Bancorp system, you need you need a community backing for that proposal to be submitted. So you can, I'm kind of imagining this like a uh, kind of like your proposal is a, a election candidate. You know, you need to get on forums, you need to get people back backing this proposal um, because you need it. You need traction on it. You need votes, um, so it's not just floating out there. Um, there are also rules you must follow. For um, example, for a token to be whitelisted, it cannot have an elastic supply, nor can the token's admins have access to burn or mint tokens just at their discretion. Um, and that's just kind of one example. There's tons of rules. Again, I'll link that in the uh, uh, description of this podcast for you to check out. Um, so yeah, Brian, what about the uh, BNT token? All right, yeah, let's talk about it. BNT, you can get it almost anywhere. Of course, you can get it on Bancor. If you want to go there and just <laughs> yeah, swap exactly. for something, you can yeah. do that. But also, it's on Coinbase, Binance, Crypto.com, Gemini, and many others. It's not a, not a problem to find the place to buy the uh, BNT. So Bancor Network currently operates on the Ethereum and EOS blockchains, but the protocol is designed to be interoperable for additional blockchains. And like most, the BNT token is used for governance and for staking rewards. Um, there's also, you can earn another token called VBNT. And these are generated from staking in the whitelisted pools. Um, the VM, VBNT holds the same governance rights and staking rewards as the BNT token. 
And there are a lot of whitelisted pools, so there's a lot of opportunities for you to earn the VNT tokens. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on it, but the summary is um, it's an additional reward on top of the liquidity provider yield that you get anyway. So it's a cool thing. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So <laughs> BNT has an elastic supply, and that's the protocol's ability to mint and burn BNT as needed, as I said before. In the single-sided liquidity pools, the protocol mints the BNT to the extent it's necessary in order to match the stake token and to cover in any impermanent loss that's not covered by the fees generated. So note that um, pool sizes on Bancor are limited. You have to first check to see if there's space available in the pool that you want to stake. You mentioned Chainlink, and I know at times the Chainlink pool has been full on, on yeah. Bancor. So based on what I said, for tokenomics pur purposes, you naturally might be concerned, right? After all, if they keep minting new BNT, won't there be inflation that will dilute the value of BNT? And the short answer is not really. And the burning can even be deflationary. It depends. So just so you know, the, the protocol invested uh, BNT, it's minted into the pools and not out in the external market. So the BNT remains in the pools, this minted BNT remains in the pools and it earns fees until the BNT and its accrued fees are eventually burned. And the burning of protocol invested BNT and the associated fees happen when the token provider withdraws the deposit or when the BNT uh, holder stakes BNT in the pool. Some holders might want to stake BNT, so then they don't have to mint any. And then, obviously, and then they actually would burn an equivalent amount if somebody wants to stake BNT. And I'm actually thinking about doing that myself. No, same here. Yeah. So unlike a lot of tokens with BNT, you, you can't just go on CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap and get an accurate reading of the circulating supply or the total supply because it's elastic. Um, so much of the BNT that's minted is never on the public market. So much of it is burned that, um, at least so far, there's not been an, uh, any kind of problems with inflation since they've started doing this. It's locked in a pool and until the provider withdraws it and then it's burned. So the protocol acts in some sense like an insurer, at least when, it ha when there is um, impermanent loss that must be compensated, but the risks are spread out over so many pools that the benefits normally outweigh the risks. It's a, it's a bit complicated, but it's a clever response to address, to address the impermanent loss. Excellent. And that, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Brian, because it, you know, that elastic su supply can kind of intimidate you. But if you didn't know that right. key feature, you know, that's... A it does. I something. mean, you know, I, I've talked, we've talked about tokenomics before. And hey, if, it's, if they're just minting it everywhere, but, you know, if it's not going on the market, it's not having the same... Yeah, effect. there is kind of a control behind that. Yeah, so. that's right. That's very cool. So maybe we talk about the founders. We always try to mention the team behind it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll quickly mention uh, just one of the founders here. So Bancor is founded, founded by, uh, well, I'll mention them all. Huh, why, <laughs> why not that? But uh, uh, founded by the uh, um, A.L. Hertzog. Hopefully I'm saying that right. <laughs> Udi Levy and Galia and Guy Baratzi in 2017. And those last two are brother and sister, which is pretty cool. Um, and it was named Bancor to honor um, John Keats, uh, who came up with the word 76 years ago to describe a supranational cryptocurrency. John uh, Maynard Keynes, father of the Keynesian theory of economics. Oh, yeah. And I think I just said supranational cryptocurrency. I meant supranational currency. So yeah, that was one of his. Yeah. One of his things he, he 
he wrote about. Yeah, because, uh, you know, 76 years ago, there was no cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, but yeah, this is a solid team. Um, AL is the product architect of the protocol, BNT, and other products that utilize the network. Uh, he's a known voice in crypto industry and has been around, um, has been a techn- tech- technology entrepreneur for 20 years. Uh, previously founded MetaCafe. Uh, a top video sharing site in Israel um, with over 50 million users. So pretty successful there. And, you know, the other members here have been in crypto for a while. Um, so, you yeah. know, solid team behind the project for sure. So, a solid team, you know, that started it. But now it seems to be really, really run to a, a more extent than I've seen with a lot of other projects by the Dow. I mean, they seem to be submitting a lot of things to the Dow, which is pretty cool. No, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Brian. Uh, I almost see this team, just how the Dow and Bancor works, they're almost kind of like the clockmaker. You know, they wound the clock and the clock is going. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And, you know, that's really how crypto is supposed to be, right? Eventually, exactly, yeah. 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 So that's a, that, that's a big check mark for me there, so... All right, so Bancor is a complicated protocol. There are aspects we haven't even discussed, such as the Bancor Vortex. With Vortex, a user is able to use the VBNT to borrow against his stake liquidity by swapping the VBNT for any token in the network. Bottom line, the Vortex also is beneficial to BNT holders and users of the Bancor protocol. So we suggest doing your own research to check out the Vortex and VBNT in some more detail. And we'll leave a couple of links down below to get you started on your research and to provide more detail into those aspects of the protocol. Yeah, I got to say, just just to mention, this is definitely one of our more complex uh, crypto assets we've talked about. So a lot of stuff going on. So definitely this should be one of your many stops in your research journey. Yeah, and the links for. and our links and our links. Yes. Links. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, obviously big changes going on. Uh, we want to lever- want everyone to know about the Bancor version three that's been announced in, uh, in May of this year, 2021. Um, and they stated that version three incorporates community feedback in a core discovery. Um, there's, you know, details to be announced later on. Um, a killer feature that will not be easy to replicate because it relies on um, Baycore's unique protocol design. Um, teaser alert. Teaser, big teaser. So hopefully more on that soon. Um, they also said that they'll allow for higher uh, capital efficiencies without, without requiring active uh, management or third-party automatic uh, liquidity pool tools. Um, so, you know, definitely a hands-off more hands-off approach which is cool you know let the community drive it um bancor says that they believe in italics there believe that the fees generated on version three will be a lot higher um while the liquidity pools will stay fully protected from impermanent loss um you know this of course means that the liquidity providers um should should see more um, earnings. Um, and I got to say, this is kind of like a wait and see since it's kind of iffy, but, um, maybe a marketing strategy. I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see on that. And the features and designs of version three are set and coding is happening right now. Um, so this is, you know, definitely well underway. And what we see as the three core principles driving this version three, um, is, you know, we need to get as many assets on the bank court um, network as possible, including, and this is the main one, including streamlining the uh, whitelisting. 
Um, of course, it you know, one can say like it's kind of like an act of Congress to get you know, <laughs> something whitelisted on there, but kind of as design. But, you know, also we want to or I'm saying we they want to um, yeah, streamline this, of course. Um, uh, core principle two is deliver the best um, uh, yields and tools for passive uh, liquidity pools, uh, low cost and low friction. And three is to drive more trade volume through a world-class trading UI and advanced trading functionality. And I got to say that um, I'm with them on that one because if you go to the Bancor um, protocol, you know, it, it's very user-friendly to use. Uh, one of the more user-friendly um, pools I've, I've seen. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm behind them on that one. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Ross? Time for final thoughts? I think it is. I think it is. You want me to go? Uh, go ahead. I will go first. All right. So Bancor was the first AMM. So why wasn't it where Uniswap is in the top 10? That's a good question. I, I believe the reason is uh, is the user interface. I wasn't active on it back when um, when Bancor first came out in, in 2017. But my understanding is that it wasn't that user friendly. Yeah. Uniswap came up with their super easy user interface and it won out. I mean... You, you know, I remember the first time going on uh, Uniswap and thinking, well, can it really be this easy? You know, can I really just swap this for this? I mean, um, yeah. So I think Uniswap beat it because it had the uh, better interface. But I give Bancorp credit. You know, they didn't go away. They kept they kept plugging away. How can we improve this? And they found a way to address one or two of the most serious drawbacks of liquidity providing, you know. The impermanent loss and the single-sided, but I, I mean, the single-sided thing is um, it, it, it's annoying and it can die, it, it can make you swap something you might not want to swap. But you know, sometimes you, let's say you have both Link and Ethereum in your MetaMask, um, that's not really a problem. You can just still stake all your um, your your Link, but then you just have to come up with an equal part. Anyway, that that's one improvement. I think the big one is the impermanent loss. I think this is just um, outstanding. Um, I give them uh, credit for coming up with that. Um, I understand. I don't know all the details of Uniswap version three, but I do know it did not address impermanent loss. So Bancor still is the place to go. Um, you know, if you want to have an alternative and not worry about uh, impermanent loss. So why hasn't Bancor risen in the market cap ratings since it came out with this solution? Because I think it's been out since the end of 2020. And I don't know the answer to that. It's a, it's a legitimate question. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, maybe a cause for concern. But I'm personally going to accumulate some BNT, and I'm definitely going to use the protocol more often, you know, both for swapping and for liquidity providing, but especially for liquidity providing. I really like the stake it and forget it nature of this thing, because yeah. if you're in a, a normal uh, pool, you got to worry, you got to monitor it to see, uh, oh, is there any impermanent loss going on? Should I get it out of here, um, you know, before I, I have to take this loss? And it makes the yields I'm getting less than my impermanent loss so you would have been better off not even staking it right yeah yeah so with this you don't you you don't have to worry about that you can um you know if you keep it the 100 days you're not going to have impermanent loss period and you're going to get your yield period so that's a really good feature um i also have some hope that when version 3 is released maybe there's some more marketing and publicity 
about uh, Bancor. Maybe I'll get more people to try it out. And then I think once they try it out, you know, more will stick and it'll, it'll go up in the, uh, in the market cap. Um, well, plus Ross, after this podcast, you know, the world will swarm to Bancor. I think so. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's a big I, statement there. <laughs> I'll be using Bancor more often to swap and to earn yield, and I'm even going to accumulate some BNT. That's my final thoughts. I like Bancor. Wow, that that is a good final thought. And hey, this is uh, out of the two crypto masters here. This is the biggest crypto critic. So that that's a good stamp, <laughs> people. You should you should mark that down. Um, yeah. Uh, in a popular fashion, I'm going to piggyback you off you, Brian. Um, yeah, I think this is a solid project that this idea of impermanent loss um, really hit us hard when the uh, yield farming craze was all all the rage and we got into We was it. burned. We was burned, yes. I, uh, yeah, I wish I had just <laughs> kept my Ethereum. Uh, would have been a lot better yes. place. But, yes. you know, you see those APYs of, you know, thousands of percent and it really it really draws you in. The siren song drew us in. Wow, yes, it did. It did. And, um, hey, in the first couple of weeks, it was great. And then, uh, then it was not so great. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm always skeptical of, um, you know, DeFi and... Um, you're earning yield and this this promise of um, this loss protection impermanent loss protection is great and I I think it's something I'm gonna get on Bancor and really start using and um, at minimum I'm gonna get on and use Bancor um, to acquire some tokens and and you know we we often talk about you know certain coins are kind of hard to get to and acquire and you know, it's almost we don't even have to mention exchanges because if you can get your hands on Ethereum and go on Bancor's network, I mean, you can swap it and get Bancor right there. You can get BNT right there instantly. So, okay. um, and being an application developer, I love to see um, usability of stuff um, be so easy. And I think Bancor's done that. With yeah. Their, their website. Yeah. They've really improved. So, hey, everybody, check it out. You know, go to the Bancor site and check it out and see if you like it. They, we may put a link in the description. Yeah. Maybe that would be a good <laughs> there idea. There we go. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> All right, everybody. That has been another edition of the Crypto Masters. Check us out next time. We'll, we'll discuss another crypto asset. I'm excited, and you should be too. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.